nom est Romain Métanir et vous écoutez le, pop, le podcast Vous êtes sans dans le monde. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm joined by maybe you're going to be the one that saves me, because after all, you're my wonder, Cal Williams. On the docket today, we're going to dip into the team's acquisition of Kai Kamara and talk about the recent games against Houston and Columbus, plus preview the game against RSL. But first, we wanted to take a moment and give a shout out to the presenting partners for our 2020 season, Allianz, Alina Health, Bell Bank, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, Federated Insurance, and M Health Fairview. We really want to thank those sponsors for sticking with us through this weird and wild season, which is about to enter phase 2B, phase 2 junior. I don't know. I thought it was going to be phase 3, but apparently it's just part of phase 2. So to learn more about any of our partners, you can visit mnufc.com slash club slash partners. Per usual, Cal, we're going to begin with um, a digression from the main topic. And I wanted to ask you if you checked out Ted Lasso by any chance on Apple TV. Yeah, I have, Steve. I watched the first two or three episodes. Um, do you know what? I, I was actually quite impressed. I, I didn't think I was going to like it. I, I don't know why. I just didn't think I'd like it. Um, uh, but it's it's very well put together. Um, the producers have done a great job with it. Um, and yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm about three episodes in at the moment. And um yeah, it's uh, it's a really good show. I think that the uh, the rendition of you know I don't know that much about you know following a, a, an EPL team and all that goes into that uh, and that culture, but I thought just in terms of the idea of the culture of sport, of professional sports, and what being involved in a, a team is like. Uh, I, I thought it, I thought it hit the nail on the head pretty well. I was I was getting flashbacks. There's an episode which I think is probably uh, maybe beyond the third episode. I think it's maybe the fourth or fifth episode where they go on the road to play Everton, um, and they're staying in a hotel there. And it's like you know the the owner of the team comes in, and uh, you know they're trying to figure out where to go for dinner, and they're sort of hanging out in the hotel and bumping into other people. And I was just it was making me wish we could go back to Portland and stay in that awesome hotel. Uh, in Portland, because uh, it just sort of had that feel of like a team on the road. And I think that the soccer is, you know, the action sequences aren't like, whatever, it's not like you, they're not out there making a big budget sports movie. The pitch is very small, it feels like I don't know if you've, I don't know how much game action you've seen in there. But it seems like, based on having been like pitch side a couple of times, I'm like, this is not, you're not playing on a full size pitch, but it's very fun. You know, I, I think the, the clash of personalities in the locker room is great. And I think that overall, I'm, I'm up to the limit now. So I'm up to like episode eight. I think episode nine is coming out tomorrow on Friday. Um, I think that it's really charming, uh, which is a really underrated quality in, in entertainment these days. Like it doesn't feel either like it's not edgy or dramatic or dark, but it's also not just sort of deeply sort of wishy-washy and sentimental and kind of like feel goody. It's, it's, you know, it's got, it's, there's a little edge to it. There's relationship drama. That's a little edgy that, that you get into more as the, as the, the show goes on, but it's just really, it's really charming. And it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice to be charmed these days. Yeah. Charming is probably the perfect word to describe it, Steve, because let's be honest, there's not been much charming about 2020. So it, it's quite nice to get away from what has been a torrid year 
by watching something like this, I think it's a, it's an easy watch as well. I don't feel like yeah. I have to be completely and utterly um, fascinated by it and um, and concentrating on it all the time. Um, so I, I like it a lot, Steve. And like you said, there's some some good um, good relationships in there as well. And, and yeah, I kind of I, I know what you mean as well. It, it sort of made me miss traveling around and whatnot. And, and you know, that's not the not the the first thing. It won't be the last thing that, that reminds me of, of what we're missing out on as well. But but look, um, it, it is what it is. But it's a good show. I really like it. Apple TV's actually been quite. Um, I was quite surprised at the amount of good good things that are available on it. You know, I just I just did a little trial just to see what it was like, and, and ended up going for it in the end. There's um, also on the subjects of TV shows a, a recommendation. Yes, uh, you're in the listener, um, and uh, it's a show called Long Way Up. Okay, and um, essentially, it's a very famous actor called Ewan McGregor. And familiar with the man. Uh, his friend Charlie Borman, who's like a, a British TV host, electric motorcycles from the bottom of uh, South America uh, up to Los Angeles, and okay. it's it's basically it's it's a travel documentary. Um, the reason I bring this up is because they they've done two trips prior to this. It was like 2004 and 2007. And I was really into it when I was a teenager. Um, 2004, they rode from London to New York East, um, going through Europe and Russia and mm-hmm. Siberia and all that kind of stuff, you know, and um, eventually across the US into New York. And then uh, in 2007, they rode from John O'Groats in the top of Scotland down to the bottom of Africa, just um, south of wow. Cape Town and Cape Agulhas. So uh, it's really good. Um, I would love to do something similar to that one day. I don't know when. Um, but I've been sort of waiting for this version of it, this long way up, as it's called. The other two were long way round and long way down. And uh, it's a really good watch. Um, as I said, anybody who likes motorcycles, anybody who likes travel, adventure, documentaries and stuff. So uh, first three episodes are out. And um, it, it's nice because there's a lot of TV, Steve, that I've watched that um, is related to, to soccer. So I don't often get the chance to just get completely away from it. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in what has been a very difficult season and testing campaign, um, it, it's quite nice to be able to just get away from it for an hour or so. So that, that's certainly been been my um, my way to get away from it. So, um, so yeah, I would recommend that. Long way up. Uh, very, very good. And uh, I, I suggest people go and give it a go. Excellent. That's on Apple TV also? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, and, do you know, are the first two available somewhere else that you know of? They do long way the round. The first three episodes are available on Apple TV. No, no, no. I mean, like, the, the long way round and the long way oh, down. Oh, sorry. Um, ooh, all right. <laughs> That's a very good question. I would assume because, as I said, it was 2004, 2007. Okay. So I would assume they'd probably be around on YouTube or something. Like that, okay. You know? But you can okay. find them for sure. All right, cool. Um, my other recommendation uh, is, and this is YouTube related, uh, a, a, in terms of escapism, is how do you, how do you feel about uh, ghost hunting shows? Have we talked about ghost hunting shows before? <laughs> Do you know, I used to watch a ghost hunting show back in the UK called Most Haunted. Mm. Um, I, I don't I've... know if it ever came over here or if you guys had a, your version of it or whatever, but I used to watch that a fair bit. And then um, oh, there's another show um, called, it was, uh, it used to be called uh, Taps. Yeah. Um, that I, I think was, I think it was American, I think, from what I can remember. Yeah, I think in America it was called Ghost Hunters, and it was the, the it was like the something Atlantic Paranormal Society. Yeah, Taps was the name of the um, Yeah, I, so, so I mean, to answer your question, Steve, yeah, I used to watch ghost hunting shows quite regularly because, you know, I, I believe, you know, there's, there's absolutely, <laughs> I've had paranormal 
experiences in the past. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like them. That's what All right. So I, like, I'm not exactly a believer, but I love the mechanism of the shows and I sort of like, I, I don't really know what I, what I believe. Um, but I find it really fun. And there's this, uh, a YouTube channel called nukes top five that a friend of mine put me onto. And he basically collects sort of regular, about a week, weekly thing every other week, sometimes, um, just clips from ghost hunters on YouTube or TikTok or Snapchat or TV shows or anything like that. And he'll do like five of them. So the top five and it's about 20 minutes, you know, each one is sort of a setup and then they show you some really good evidence or some, a, a good clip. And it's all, that's like, it's like four minutes, you know, each one is four minutes. So they sort of cut out all the people walking around in quarters and not seeing anything. And they just cut to like whatever happens and it's super f- easy to watch. And it's one of those things that I'll, I'll, I'll sort of always have a browser open with, with Nukes Top 5. And I'll just see there's a ton of back stuff to watch. And I'll just, you know, I'll watch four minutes in between something else. And then I'll pause it and I'll go do something else. And I'll come back and I'll watch another one. So uh, strong recommendation for, for Nukes Top 5. It's great. Nukes Top 5. Nukes Top 5. If you just search that on YouTube, you will find it. And they're, they're it, like, I don't even know where to start as far as like, oh, watch this one. It's so great. They're all fun. And, and some of them are, are obviously, seem like obviously hoaxes, but they're still fun to watch. And then some of them are seem legitimately creepy. So uh, it's, it's fun. So. Okay, well, I've made a note of that for sure. I'll check that out. All right, good. Let's move on to soccer. Let's start, uh, let's start with, with Kai Kamara, and then we can just sort of transition uh, into the two games, uh, the first one without him, the second one with him. Um, I think that you know, my, opening, my opening feeling about Kai Kamara is that I, I just felt like this seems like a terrific fit for the way the Loons have often played in terms of sending in crosses from the wings and looking to score off of set pieces. I mean, you get one of the guys who is – he is the fifth leading all-time leading goal scorer in MLS and has scored a lot of those goals with his head. Um, and you put him into a position where you've got a guy like Ramon Metinier crossing in terrific balls from the right side and a guy like Jan Gregus putting in set pieces from corners and free kicks. It just seems like it perfect. I mean, I think I may have gone, I was trying to figure out if I had, I may have gone as far as saying like, it would be great for the loons to get Kai Kamara, like over the last two years, I feel like I may have said that um, or said they should look for a guy like Kai Kamara. So, um, but I also wanted to say, I mean, I, I'm interested in your input on that, but it also seems like, I mean, obviously you don't last as long as he did as he has and continues to, 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 to score well, just being a tall guy in the box. Like he seems watching him play. He's, he drops, he picks up the ball at his feet. He lays it off to other players. There's, there's more to him than just being the tallest guy in the box. Yeah, he's obsessed with staying fit, Steve, and keeping fit. Like he's one of these individuals that. What's that, that really... like? I would love to. I would love to be. Like <laughs> part of me would love to be like that, and part of me also really enjoys beer. So I don't know. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah, but he's um, I, I, he's a really good guy. I've known Kai since 2011. Um, worked with him in, in Kansas City, um, and got to know his wife very well in Kansas City because she was our uh, our sideline reporter for several years. Oh, nice. Um, and. Uh, you know, have, have have met both of them before in the UK, met them and had some lunch in, in, in Birmingham in the past and whatnot. And, and yeah, so, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm close to Kai, but I, I certainly know him for sure and know his, know his family and whatnot. And um, it was interesting, Steve, where are we today, Thursday? I found out about this possibility last Tuesday. And, um, you know, there were a lot of things that, could have happened, a lot of things that didn't happen. Kai could have very easily gone somewhere else, uh, but he wanted to come and play in Minnesota. He, um, you know, there were two, two other teams that, that were pushing for him 
um, when it became clear that he could possibly be available. And um, I think as, as soon as it became clear that, that Minnesota could be a possible destination, I think he probably, I'm assuming anyway, that he probably had some sort of influence in trying to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he wanted to play for Adrian Heath. It's something that, he, that he's wanted to do for a long time. Um, but I, I thought what he said to, to us in the press a couple of days ago was um, was very encouraging that he, he wanted to come and, and play somewhere where he feels um, he, he can win a championship. And um, I, I think that, that speaks volumes of, of the club and the, the work that the team has, has done over the course of the last um, last 18 months or so. Um, because you have to say, this, this, is, this is the best team that Minnesota United have ever had. And, and the fact now that we're attracting players like an Emmanuel Reynoso to come in uh, says a lot, you know. Um, Kai Kamara is, um, for me, he, he's what you would call a complete striker. Um, he identifies himself as a box forward, which I understand because the majority of his goals come from inside the 18-yard box. Um, but I've seen him score goals from outside the penalty area. I've seen Kai Kamara play out wide before, um, many, many times for Sporting Kansas City back in the day. He's just a fabulous athlete, tremendous spring on him. Um, I think it's something along the lines of 36% of his 129 goals have come with his head, um, which which says a lot about his game. But also, he's scored so many with the ball of his feet, so many running at people, so many getting in between the lines and, and towing the, the line and, um, you know, um, playing off of the shoulder and whatnot. He's, he's a really good centre-forward, Steve. And, you know, I, I, there's a reason why he was uh, playing over in the Premier League for a little while and, and then obviously went to the Championship with Middlesbrough, you know, and he's um, he's, a, he's a very good centre-forward. Um, as I said, I think I think complete forward is probably the, the best way to describe him because he does offer just about everything. And, and you quite rightly said, um, with the way that Minnesota United play, he is a perfect fit for this system with the um, the balls coming in from, from the wide areas. I think still Minnesota rank in the top three in the league in terms of getting the ball into the box from the wide areas. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect fit, really. But Kai Kamara, as you, as you noted for the game against Columbus, will drop a little deep from time to time, look for the ball and look to play off of people. He'll be perfect for Molino to play off and when Molino gets the chance to play with him. Um, he'll be wonderful for, for the three that are now becoming the regulars um, behind the forward to play off in, in Reynoso and, and uh, Robin Lourdes. So it's just going to take a bit of time for us to see the full effect of it. Kamara hadn't played since, I believe it was September 9th. Uh, had a little niggle, I think, in Colorado. And, and, and then obviously this move was was on the horizon. Um, so uh, just give him a little bit of time to settle in and get used to things. But um, do you know what, Steve? I'll make a bold statement here um, because I believe it. I think we're going to get a a home debut goal from Kai Kamara in the forthcoming game against RSL. So that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, th- I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the game against Columbus, but certainly when he, that, first, that first header he had uh, where you were like, this is the textbook, right? The, the cross yeah. comes in and, you know, he's not going, you know, we've, we've seen, like Ike is obviously fantastic in, in terms of set pieces and things like that, but we've seen, you know, uh, different center backs have different levels of comfortability with, with heading the ball. Occasionally, Aha has been on target, but he's just as likely to sort of send it over the bar. It's not his forte. It's not really why he's there. Kakamara, it's like he's going to put it on frame. Like, you know, the, the, the keeper, like Room, Eloy Room grabbed it. But man, like, he, he, <laughs> you can tell from the way he strikes it with his head, it's not just a glancing blow. Like, that thing was, had power behind it. 
Um, and we'll get we'll get a little more into that. I wanted to say one. Uh, I wanted to sort of transition before we get into his game. He is not short of personality, uh, which is <laughs> which is fantastic. I think. Yeah, and I agree with what Adrian Heath said. It's something that the locker room perhaps needs. Um, no doubt, there's there's a couple of characters in the locker room for sure. But um, Kai Kamara is a character uh, likes to joke, got fabulous banter. Um, he's uh, he, he's a really top human being. Um, and the good thing is about him as well, Steve, is that he does hold people accountable as well, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not saying that's been lacking in Minnesota because it hasn't, but uh, in terms of the, the first team locker room. But, um, you know, he is um, he, he's somebody who, who I think will hold people accountable. He will call them out if they've not had a good game um, in the locker room. Um, he'll, he'll say... Um, you know, certain things like, you know, why weren't you making this run? Uh, why didn't we do what we, we did in training? You know, this kind of stuff. So he's, look, he's a fabulous acquisition, you know. And, and the thing is, as well, it's sort of low risk, high reward, really, for Minnesota. And not that there is much risk, in my opinion, but he's got a contract till the end of the season. Yeah. And then the plan is to reassess. So in my opinion, Steve, best thing to do here would be to, to give Kamara the, the next year. So then you've got sort of 18 months-ish to say to the scouting department, right, you've got, you know, 15, 16 months or whatever it is to go out and, and find us something long-term because we've got the Kamara short-term fix now for the next 18 months or whatever it is. Um, we know we're going to have success with this individual. Go and find us what we need for the next five, six years now, you know, and you've got time to do that. So, again, it just ticks so many boxes. The, the good thing is as well, Steve, is that I, I know he's just so excited to be here. Um, I, uh, I, I had, uh, I had texted him, um, a little, um, you know, the little winky emoji. Um, <laughs> I had texted him that, um, when the news was sort of, um, semi-breaking when journalists had gotten a hold of it and stuff, you know, and, and he, uh, him and his wife had FaceTimed me immediately and said, you know, you know, you ready for us? You ready for us? And, and we were talking saying, well, it's interesting because, you know, found out about this a couple of days ago. We wanted to text you, but obviously professionalism getting in the way there. I won't. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, he just seems very excited to be here because I think he knows how well this team fits him and, and how well the system fits him. Uh, and I think Adrian had, had said to the press a few days ago that there was one of the games, one of the recent games against Colorado. Kai went over to Adrian and said, I'd have scored five for you today. With yep. the way that you play, so uh, look, I think, like I said, uh, because of, of obviously the, the shortened season, we can't expect uh, a litany of goals, but we can expect some goals. Yeah, um, and I think Kai Kamara is leaps and bounds better than what we had up front prior to that. So, uh, tremendous acquisition, Steve, and uh, I expect goals from him. Yeah, I think that um, Cal, what you're saying about the, the the chemistry thing and sort of the locker room and that vibe is that the, it strikes me that um, you know I, I think we've talked about this before. There is sort of a, a character, sort of Minnesota United character developing um, among the team, and I would think it would be sort of most easily encompasses a sort of humble, head down, sort of workman like ethic, um, and and if you look at guys like Ethan Finlay, uh, I think Hassani Dotson. Boxy, Ramon, Chase, Jan to a certain extent. Um, Ozzy is fiery on the pitch, but also very like focused. I, I think those guys all sort of fit in that in that vibe in a certain way. And even Ike, who is 
uh, very talkative and sort of gregarious and, and, and fun and does the podcast up and everything like that. Like when it comes to the game, he's extremely focused. We've heard the story before from Chase about you go up to Ike on a game day and it's like the focus is so intense, right? And not that, not that Kai isn't focused, but he does have this sort of ebullience, the sort of just like he's shooting from the hip. And I think having one guy kind of in the mix like that can kind of stir things up in a way that that sort of strengthens both characters in a certain way. Um, and I think it can kind of go two ways. I mean, you sort of – you the negative side of this, I think you see with like what happened with Jimmy Butler in the, in the Minnesota Timberwolves because Butler was another guy who was like, get on my back. This is what we're doing. And if he didn't like where everything landed – that was going to end up causing problems. I don't think that's really going to be the situation with Kai, especially like, I don't know him that well, but he's certainly at a different point in his career than Butler was. He's a different person. Um, and, you know, soccer is different. You kind of saw it with Zlatan in, in LA in terms of he's like, his personality was so big, it kind of took over things there. And then after that was over, you heard a little bit of grousing from Jet and some of the other people about the way that was. Um, all indications I have is that that's not how Kai is. Uh, he's not, <laughs> I mean, he shares some qualities with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but the, the certain Zlatanism of Zlatan is not, is not there. But I think it's going to, to me, I think it's going to be a positive. I think you inject like a little bit of that personality and swagger into a team that is already um, like really solid. I think it can be really good. I really appreciated that he was, you know, his comment, I think it was on Twitter. He did he say, um, you know, he tweeted after the, the game uh, last, last night, having made my first appearance for the loons, uh, would have walked away with a point only if VAR was actually working tonight. Like he's just, <laughs> just kind of like, here's what I'm going to say. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to candy coat it for anybody. So I appreciate that a lot. He's a, he's a very big character, Steve. And, um, you know, I think he's going to add a lot to, to the dressing room and add a lot to the community as well. He's yeah. tremendous in the community. Um, like I said, for me, it just ticks all the boxes. This is a tremendous signing. And, you know, if it goes the way that I that I think, and I'm sure many other think this will go, it, it could prove to perhaps be one of the most astute piece of business businesses that we've that we've um that we've seen from Minnesota United since coming into Major League Soccer. So and you have to think about it, Steve. we Minnesota haven't really had anybody that that um that attacks the ball like Kamara does in the air. Um, and you have to think about this as well. I don't ever remember Minnesota having a centre forward available, perhaps with the exception of, of Ramirez. Um, when you put the ball into the box and you sort of expect something to happen, um, sure. you know, and I say that with all due respect to, to the other forwards, but um, Kamara, you expect him to at least test the goalkeeper. Um, and uh, his frame will cause all sorts of problems. He's still quite quick for a 36-year-old as well. Um, as we mentioned earlier, on, very athletic. He's got these long legs that give him this ability of these long strides. Um, it, as I said, Steve, look, for, for me, it's a perfect signing, and um, I, I think he's going to score a lot of goals here with the service that he'll get. I thought um, Reynoso delivered some fabulous set pieces uh, for yeah. the game in Columbus. Unfortunately, none of them found Kamara. Um, but I, I think once those two have several training sessions together, they'll they'll start to figure each other out. And um, it's going to be very exciting moving forward for Minnesota United. Yeah. I'll say, I think that, I think that Luis Amarillo was maybe on, on his way at the beginning of the season. And then uh, with his, his injury woes and sort of never really looking quite a hundred percent. And then now having more injury woes, I think that, I, I think that not in the same way that Kai is an aggressive uh, forward, but I think that Amaria could have gotten to that place eventually. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on to the games. 
um, a draw against Houston that felt like a loss and a loss against Columbus that felt like a draw is sort of is, is how I quickly jotted it down. Let's start with uh, Houston, uh, which feels like forever ago, but it was this past week. Um, let's, let's just be honest. Houston is just a tremendously sucky place to go play soccer. Like it's just, it is, it, it's just, it just seems like it's no fun. I mean, the Dynamo get an overwhelming majority of their points at home, like even more so than most MLS teams. And that's just, you know, how it's going to be. So in the immediate aftermath, like it felt terrible to lose hold of a two goal lead, but it's still a road point in Houston. I mean, I found myself thinking that it's funny because had Minnesota United conceded two goals in the first half and then scored two goals to come from behind and get a point, we'd be like, way to go. But it's the same result. It just, the goals came in a different order. And so it felt kind of like it was stolen from, from the team. Yeah. I mean, I, you, you'll find no arguments from me there, Steve. I, uh, you know, it was a shame. I thought, um, I thought Minnesota defended quite well. Um, and it was just two um, moments of lapse of concentration, really, um, that, that led to the two goals. I think Dane St. Clair did as much as he probably could have done. Um, I don't think he was spectacular for either of the goals, but you know this is what you have when you have a 23-year-old who's essentially third-choice goalkeeper in goal. But around that, I thought he was great. Obviously, say the penalty on the evening as well, you know, and, and he's, he's getting better game by game as well. So, um, Dane St. Clair for me is a massive positive right now for Minnesota United. And he yeah. certainly was that evening. Um, you know, credit where credit's due. The the Quintero goal is just a thing of beauty, isn't it? Um, Darwin does. You know, Darwin um, and his his chip his damn chip shots. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> just knew it. Does what he does. Um, and then uh, you know, yeah. Look, as I say, that the second goal, I think it was it could I think it was avoidable. Um, you know, the free kick is well taken by Darwin. It's sort of swatted away by Saint Clair, and and I think it was Molino, to my knowledge, and from what I can remember, who, who didn't track his man Figueroa uh, yeah. who was able to, to head in so um, you know like I said in the end obviously the goals were disappointing to concede because um, I do think they were avoidable but um, as you said uh, if you'd have offered a point prior prior to that Adrian Heath and Cole would have snapped your hand off yeah I, I think and I think um, and I think Cal that Adrian emphasized that that you know it's a point it's it's disappointing um, but in this season, you know, it's just, it's such a crazy, weird season. And the, 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 the balance of home and away is so different for different teams and what counted as a home game, because it's one of those things that like, obviously we've only played um, three games at Allianz field so far this season, which feels like not nearly enough, but you know, also the preponderance of those away games were games in Orlando where every team was essentially away, but we were just labeled the away team for those group stage games for every game for whatever reason. So it's a little deceptive. It's not like, a, I mean, some teams have a lot more games. I mean, I think Real Salt Lake, who we'll talk about, played their last four games at home, which is we'll be playing our fourth game when we play RSL. So um, so it's just a very weird season. You know, um, I wanted to bring up the the, the possession thing because I thought it was interesting in this game. It's, I've brought it up a couple of times, this question of like how much Minnesota plays with the ball. And I think that um, – uh, the loons were outpossessed by a good margin in this one, 60 to 40. And I think that while that can be effective, uh, the loons have shown how to be effective with, with less of the ball like that. When you have a two goal lead, it's hard to hold on to a two goal lead on the road when you can't hold on to the ball. And that was really sort of, uh, you know, the, sort of the, the, what I saw in that, that like, if you're playing on the counter and things like that, um, it's harder to hold that lead because the home team's going to be aggressive and Houston knows how to stay in the game for, the whole time in, in 90 degree heat, basically. Um, 
And, you know, it, it was, I thought that Molino, you know, poor on Figueroa's goal. I mean, congrats to Figueroa getting his first goal in uh, MLS. And also, I think it was, maybe you brought it up on the, the broadcast that he's like 30, 37 or something. And he looks like he's 20. He looks amazing. Um, so, you know, congrats to him. Uh, I, I did wonder because Molino, you know, like came up uh, uh, injured a little later. He came out of the game, didn't play the last game against Columbus. Like if, I mean, there could be a mental lapse. It could also just be like, maybe this was on the horizon, like he was tightening up and then this was, and then he had to come out. So, um, so anyways, it was a point on the road. Um, we didn't get a point on the road against Columbus crew, despite uh, nearly doing it at the end. Um, I'll start, we will get to the end eventually. I'll start saying by saying that uh, I felt like Columbus lived up to the billing. Like they looked really good. Um, they play fun soccer, uh, even without Darlington Nagby out there. Um, as soon as they got the ball, it just felt like they were going a hundred miles an hour, you know, and Chase could not keep up with Diaz uh, out on the wing. He's very fast and very tricky. And I thought um, Jossie Zardes looked as good just positionally as I've seen him, you know, look in my memory. Like he really has sort of this year, especially it feels like his use of space has been terrific. And he was always threatening. You could see him sort of drawing a lot of attention on Zellerion's goal. Um, you know, it just shows how to be a striker and not necessarily take the shots, but to stay off that shoulder and sort of constantly make the defense wonder where you are and be concerned about where you are. Um, the crew, the crew just looked really good. They did. They did, as you said, sort of what we were expecting, really, especially at home as well. There's a reason why they've not lost a home game since, what was it, July of last year or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they are very good, uh, particularly at Mount Free Stadium. Um, you know, I, I, I thought um, from a defensive point of view, Minnesota, I thought were, were good. The two centre-halves were good. Uh, you mentioned Zardes there, Steve, and, and, and that was, I agree. I, I think he was um, towing the line quite well. Uh, he, he hardly had a sniff all evening. Um, sure. I think uh, Aha and Boxall defended uh, commendably against him. Uh, against, look, he is the in form forward. What is it? Nine goals in 11 starts in Major League Soccer prior to that game. So, look, I mean, he's obviously in form. So, um, I, I, th I thought they did very well there. The fullbacks, as you mentioned, I, I think have had better evenings. Um, I think both Gasper and, and Mittenier will. <laughs> I don't think they'll begrudge us in saying that. Um, for, for me, though, Steve, the main issue was uh, sort of, a, I'll, I'll latch on to something Kendra D. St. Auburn mentioned in, in the commentary, that um, the two centre midfielders, Dotson and, and Hayes, I, I don't think did a good enough job in stopping the ball getting to uh, Salah Rajan. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think um, they, did, they did enough of that. You know, the ball um, got to him far too easily, uh, far too much. And obviously, he's, he's the main architect. He's the one that's going to make things happen. And he can score a goal or two as well. So um, I, I don't think there was enough uh, pressure. I, I agree with what, what Kindra was saying there in the broadcast, that um, particularly for the first goal, um, when Pedro Sancho played the ball in um, and Salah uh, uh, got on to the end of it, I, I, I was waiting for somebody to, to step up and, and press. Any sort of pressure would have, would have helped in that situation, but he was allowed to to glide the ball into the box and, and found the head of, of Zellerajan. So, look, I mean, um, the, the, the big-time crew players came out to play and, and obviously those were the ones that, that delivered in the end. But um, Minnesota were, un, were unfortunate um, in certain areas, but I thought they defended well. Uh, I thought they looked good on the break. Uh, I thought when Reynoso had the ball at feet, he looked good. 
Um, Kamara obviously uh, offered as much as he could as well. Um, but as I said earlier on, the, the partnership between the front man and the three players behind will, will be a work in progress. Uh, I'll be honest, Steve, I thought Chacon was poor. Um, don't think he added much at all. Um, but I, I don't think he was the only one that we can say that about either. So, look, I mean, as I said, I, I thought it was a decent performance um, against a very, very good team that have spent a lot of money. Um, and I, I think now, um, moving forward, Minnesota will, will obviously want to get themselves back to winning ways. But um, against a team of that magnitude right now, who, again, they, they seem to be the favourite for the Supporters' Shield and, and whatnot, and, you know, they are perhaps playing some of the best stuff they have done since 2015 when they got to MLS Cup. So, um, I expect them to go a long way this year. I thought they were very, very good, but uh, I thought Minnesota did did okay. I, I didn't think yeah. it was a terrible performance. I thought it was okay, um, but no doubt they'll want to play some home games now. Yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff you said in there that I wanted to talk about. Uh, Chacon is one thing. I'll come back to that in a minute. I'm going to start by saying that I also felt like, um, you know, we've seen after, since Ozzy's been out, uh, Jan and Hassani sort of working it out in, in, in midfield there. Taking Jan out of that equation and having it be Jacori and Hassani, we're both fine midfielders. It just shows you what it, how much it means to have like an Aussie and a Jan like there in, the, in that in sort of that double pivot um, and how not having that while, you know, nothing was super wrong. Um, in, it, it wasn't like the double pivot when it was Ibsen and take a take a pick of, of who else is a, as a midfielder who has no interest in defense it wasn't that um you know Hassani and, and Jacori both have defensive bones in their bodies god bless Ibsen love him um they they have some they have something in there but it's just not the same as having Ozzy and Jan out there so um that that did seem to be the sort of the, the point of attack that 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 Columbus took advantage of um I also thought it showed you know Pedro Santos had um, you know, the second goal, which was just, I mean, what are you going to do? That, that, that angle was insane that he shot that ball from, um, and to, you know, hit St. Clair and send it into the net and then to be involved in the, the, the pass for the first goal. Um, you know, having watched him since, since Minnesota came into MLS, I feel like this shows how adding more pieces around a guy can make a guy who maybe isn't living up to his billing suddenly more useful because you've got more pieces that are more threatening around him. Because I, my feeling was like Santos is like, he looks great, but he's just not delivering the way that I would, I would expect him to um, based on that skill. But like, you know, I think this is possibly indicative for a guy like Molino, like adding Reynoso, like it just opens up more space, gives you more time. Uh, you know, when you've got more threats on the field and he's, he's looking very good. Now let's talk about Chacon. Um, ah, man, I was, I was holding so many ideas in my head. Okay, here's what I was going to say. I think one of the problems that we're running into sort of globally uh, this season, you see it, and I'm sure other teams are experiencing this as well. Um, we have so many different players moving on so many different trajectories simultaneously that it can be hard to um, get everybody what they need all the time uh, it, in a way that it might be easier if the season were more normal. Because I think that when you see a team like um skc where they have like the vets are all together and they're there and they've been there for a long time bringing in a guy like john luca busio is easier because those guys are sort of they know what's going on you add a youngster into there you can sort of figure things out around him um with you know vets who are injured new vets who have signed 
Um, you know, like you've got Kamara and Reynoso coming in. They're, 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 they're players who have been around, but they're not, they haven't been with this team. The chemistry is still building up. Um, you've got injuries to, to core players, uh, absences to core players. And then you've got also guys like Chacon who need to get playing time. Uh, and they need to be, they, I mean, Adrian said, they're keeping him around at least through the end of October, it seems like, because the depth just, they need the depth. Um, so he needs minutes. So you want him to learn, but also he's learning with a whole bunch of guys who are just developing chemistry rather than having chemistry sort of set to go. There's just a lot of moving parts of players at different points in their careers. And it's like, it, it just feels like it's hard to, you're building so many things at the same time that you're not just like, well, what we need to do is get the chemistry together. It's like, well, we need that, but we also need to rotate guys out because of the depth and the compressed schedule. But we also, it would be great to get some minutes for some of these young guys and we got to see what we have in these guys. So it's just, it's, it's tough when it comes to picking guys and you see Chacon have a not great game uh, and say, you know, he's obviously a talented player. You know, how does he develop while he's both needed for depth and he can't go out, uh, you know, on loan yet because we just don't have enough players that are healthy. So, yeah, it's it's just football in 2020, Steve. You know, everybody's in the same boat, especially in this league where there is a salary cap. There is um, only a certain amount of players you can have on the roster. Um, you know, it's uh, it's difficult. But I think, um, look, as I said before about Chacon, I think um, he's he's. Uh, Finally, he was given his opportunity, um, and as I said, I don't think he took it. But that doesn't mean he won't play in the future because Minnesota simply having the amount of bodies that they would like at the moment at their disposal. Um, I think Ethan Finlay and Ozzy Alonso are sort of semi back in training, but again, you know, you're, you're thinking they're going to be another couple of weeks away and, until they're back at, at the, the versions of them that, that we have seen before and know them to be. Um, it's just one of those things, Steve, and this is, again, why why they thought that they had to go out into the trade market and, and bring in some of the players. Look at the goalkeeping situation as well. I mean, I, I, honestly, I've never seen an injury list as long as the one that Minnesota United have, have had yeah. with the amount of games that they've got ahead of them. You know, it's... Um, and again, it's, it, it's just 2020. Um, I, I can't imagine this would be the case moving forward because a lot of those injuries have happened because of the short-term... Um, situation with the season and whatnot and because of the amount of days they've had to prep for games and stuff and the amount of football that has been played you know so um it's just a very very strange season but look i i think the one thing that minnesota can take comfort in is knowing that even with as many as five team five first team players out five players that would be starting for minnesota they still have a pretty good starting 11 out there yeah, And if you think about it now, Steve, if you were to have, let's say, the original five that were, were injured in Miller, Opara, Alonso, Finlay and, and Amaria, um, I, I would guess probably three of those five would, would walk straight back into the starting 11. But that doesn't yeah. mean all of them walk straight back in, you know? So yeah, it says absolutely. a lot in the sense that Minnesota have actually strengthened quite well. Um, and whilst 2020 has presented problems, it's also given Minnesota opportunities as well. So um, I, I, think, uh, I think Minnesota are fine right now, Steve. I think they're okay. They just need to balance things out in the sense of playing some home games. Yeah. Because going on the road right now, Steve, is, as I've said before and described many different things, it is absolute carnage going on the roads. Yeah. Because you're travelling on the day, there and back, 
you're not going to be able to get a training session in the day after because the players are going to be exhausted. Right. Um, so what do you do? Um, you know, everyone's in this boat, but I, I, I think there's a reason why we're, you know, it, it started where we were seeing some decent away victories and home field advantage wasn't really playing that much uh, into it. Now we're sort of starting to see it swap a little bit and we're seeing that actually the teams playing at home are winning a lot more often. Um, so, you know, it's um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Minnesota United moving forward. But but I think now, with the two home games ahead of them, um, I would expect them to climb up the table because the, it's also as well, the Western Conference is ridiculously tight as well. Yeah. You know, it, I, I just have, again, never seen a conference and a, and a league table that is as tight as this one. So, um but again, with Minnesota having a couple of home games under their belt, I expect them to be towards the, the top end again. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota United currently in seventh. They're three points off being top of the table and three points up from being out of the playoffs entirely. So that's that's just the way it is. It's a big, it's a big clog. Let's touch it very briefly before we move on to talking about Real Salt Lake a little bit. Let's talk a little bit, Cal, about the offside call at the sort of at the death there. Um I would say, I mean, I would say AHA was probably offside um, based on the letter of the law. But the entire implementation of, of video review is still just problematic. And we've seen, I feel like we've seen plays that the ref lets go and then the, the onus is sort of on video review to find a clear and obvious reason to overturn it. Or we've seen plays blown dead and then, you know, that you can't even find out like whether, you know, like whether there was something clear and obvious. Um, you know, like it's sort of, I think it may have come up in the broadcast. It's one of those things where if, if, if the call had not been made and it had gone to review, I don't know if you could have overturned it with the evidence they had, because it, it hinged a lot on a couple inches, you know, and, and whether you think it's his head or his foot. And if, and like exactly at what point Reynoso hits the ball, because it was like, depending on which frame you take, it could have been, it could have been offside or onside. So, um, it's just, I just feel like they still don't have a handle on VAR or whatever it's called now. Is it not called VAR anymore? I think they call it something else. Uh, video review. Um, Maybe I, just video review. Okay. Yeah. I, I honestly, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think with, with this one, Steve, for me, my initial reaction was, yeah, I think it's offside. Um, having seen several different angles now the day after, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, here's what probably should have happened, is the linesman probably shouldn't have, have waved the flag. Just let the, let the game go, and then they will review it. But what kills me is they didn't go and review it, to my knowledge. There was no yeah. review. There was no, the referee didn't go and look at the monitor. As I said, from the pictures that we were given from the Columbus broadcast, we saw nothing that suggested Ishmael Elfarth before he went to the monitor to have a look. That's the biggest question for me is why? Why didn't you go and have a look? Why yeah. were you so sure? Because there wasn't anything clear and obvious in there. Far from it, in my opinion. Yeah. So why not just go and have a look? Um, but to, to my knowledge, after speaking to a few people around the league this morning, um, I think the linesman didn't see. Um, it was uh, Jesse Zardes who was ahead of our heart. Um, where, where the initial debate is um, because it was Aha who made the initial contact before the ball fell to Boxall who, who headed in um, and I, I'm not entirely sure the linesman was aware that uh, Zardes was in front of Aha so initially the linesman thinks that Aha is a good 
half yeah. a yard, if not a full yard offside. Sure. Um, so <laughs> that, that's, to my knowledge, what, what, was, um, what was being discussed. But, but still, even then, in my, to, to my knowledge, if, that's, if that isn't the case, right, and mm-hmm. it, it is as tight as what we've seen, You've got to be extremely eagle-eyed to be absolutely sure that that is offside there. And I'm just not convinced that's the case, Steve. So why not just go to the monitor? Go and have a look at it, you know? Um, If we're going to remain consistent, you're you're probably right, and it probably is about half an inch offside. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I can also see the counter-argument for it as well, because it does look as if Zardes, when he's leaning in, it looks like his arm is, is keeping... Aha, uh-huh, onside just. So I can see both arguments for it, Steve. I wouldn't want to be the, the officials in this situation. And we're sitting here criticising them, but, you know, we wouldn't want to be them at all, you know, and they, yeah, no they, they do a good job. You know, I just would never want to be a, an official at all. Um, so I, I thought it was harsh on Minnesota from that sense. Um, but let's be honest, they would have been extremely fortunate to walk away with a point from Columbus yeah. um, because they were, were, were the better team. Yeah, I, I definitely think Columbus would have felt hard done, as, as Adrian Heath says, if had they not gotten all three in that situation. Um, I think the, the video, re- video review for me is just that, that they don't – I don't think they know whether they want it to be scientific or whether they want it to be a judgment call um, still sort of in some way. I mean, I think this comes up in a lot of sports. You look at strikes and balls and baseball and the fact that now you can see exactly whether something was a strike or a ball, and yet they still want umpires to call them. They don't want to go to a computer to tell you what is in or out. Um, You know, it's just one of those things that I think that, you know, the way it used to be was the, you know, there was a call made and then you had to live with it. And anybody, you know, after the facts, getting stills and sort of figuring out whether somebody was onside or offside, that's Monday morning quarterbacking. You're just, you're, you're doing what we're doing. We're just, you know, talking smack about somebody. But the fact that you brought in this thing, which is supposed to be like objective, and yet you still have to deal with the question of, you know, you just don't have the fidelity to say, like, if you're talking about it half an inch and the, the camera is so far back, you can't tell, like, if an elbow is off or a, a forehead is slightly ahead of somebody else's forehead and, you know, like a toe over the line and things like that. It's just I, sometimes I'm, I'm, I almost wish it just weren't there to bring that element. And we could just say it's a human decision that, that refs make and we just have to live with it. You know, some of the most legendary moments of soccer like the hand of god are human moments where refs miss things and they become legendary that's just part of the game it's a human game played by humans it's going to be imperfect um but also why don't they have goal line technology what the hell uh, so they figure out yeah absolutely yeah that that I, yeah, I would agree with you there i have no idea it is the last thing i'll say on the offside thing here steve is that we're told consistently clear and obvious that's the phrase we're told clear and obvious to me that was not a clear and obvious error um, and um, by the referee to, to miss that. So um, maybe I'm looking through this through black and blue tinted glasses, I don't know, but um, I, I, I think Minnesota were incredibly hard done by there. Um, but ultimately, as I said, I think Columbus crew would have been hard done by had that goal have stood and they wouldn't have gotten the result they deserved. Sure. 
All right, let's talk about Real Salt Lake a little briefly. I mean, as far as the previews, first of all, you uh, and Kendra, and sometimes you have guests, you guys do a great job doing the, sort of the, the preview, a very preview-oriented match show. Um, so if anybody wants to really dive into the preview uh, elements, you guys do a great job there. Um, I like to touch on it, but it also feels like the season is harder than ever to predict what's going to happen in games or to decide like what games mean. Um, so I think that as far as what we can take from, from this upcoming game, uh, this is – Two home ga- the first of two home games in a row at Allianz Field, which is the only second time that's happened. And it's only the fourth and fifth home games of the season. So uh, it's, it should be a good time. Uh, even with a quick turnaround and a compressed schedule, it should be good, a good opportunity for Minnesota to get at least a little more rest. They're not having to travel for these games. That'll be great. Uh, and then RSL have been on just a roller coaster of results. This is, I had not really you know, checked in on this until I was working on the preview. But since losing four goals to none to Minnesota, they beat LAFC three to nothing, which is not, it doesn't mean the same thing it used to mean beating LAFC three to nothing, but still beat LAFC three to nothing, lost five Oh to Colorado, <laughs> then lost two uh, one to Vancouver and then one two Oh over the galaxy. So it's sort of like they seem to either be scoring a ton of goals and then running away with it or getting crushed. Um, that's it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. And I just feel like it's an indicator of how, the strength of schedule is just all over the place and how good teams are is all over the place. Atlanta looked terrible. LAFC looked terrible. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's utter carnage. Uh, just to, to coin a phrase. It is. It really is Steve. And, um, I think RSL, um, I don't know if it's a psychological issue or something at RSL because they seem to struggle against the teams they should beat. Um, and then win against the teams that you would not expect them to beat. Um, you know, the the loss to Colorado was inexcusable for them because um, they had a, a proper first team out uh, playing the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beating LA Galaxy, who have been in fine fettle over the course of the last few months. Although actually that, that's slightly wayward statement because they have lost three in a row now, I guess. But um, prior to that, you know, they, they've looked very good. So... Um, I, I just I, I think RSL are probably the most inconsistent team in the Western Conference at the moment because you just don't know which version you're going to get. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, looking at the lineup that they put out against the Galaxy, Steve, um, there's an element of reservation about it. Um, you know, although Damir Krylak leading the line, as he has done many a time for them, Miram and Baird either side of, of Rusnak, um, it's a good team, but it's not full strength for them. Obviously, Beckerman was suspended because of the red cards. Ruiz has come in and done a good job. Everton Ruiz is perhaps for me right now one of the better holding midfielders in Major League Soccer. Uh, and the back line has, has, has been decent as well. So um, I think the main issue for them is, is um, I don't know who the number one goalkeeper is right now. And I don't think they know either. Um, Putna and McMath have swapped from time to time. They have a young goalkeeper, David Ochoa, who has been wonderful for their USL side, Real Monarchs. I know they view him as the long-term number one. Um, but it, it is, it's just riddled with inconsistency at the moment. I'm not sure what Tony Juarez is, is thinking. Um, I just wonder when they come to Allianz Field, what do they do? Because obviously, again, it'll be a, a short turnaround. Will we see some of the, the players that we saw last time? Players like Tate Schmidt um, playing at left back or Eric Holtz or some of these homegrown players. You know, do, do we see that sort of approach again from Juarez? And do they focus on the home games? Um, or do they fancy their chances? and come to play. Uh, I noticed there was no Douglas Martinez uh, and Sam Johnson for the game against the Galaxy uh, last night. 
So I wonder, again, is that some someone, uh, is that a duo that we see uh, at Allianz Fields on Sunday? I don't know. But um, as you quite rightly say, Steve, it, it's so difficult to, to sort of come up with an identity for just about anybody at the moment. Um, it's such a mishmash of a season. But, but I think, again, um, Minnesota have no reason to change anything um, in terms of how they approach the game. I would expect uh, Jan Gregus to come back into the centre of midfield and replace uh, Jacory Hayes. Um, we don't know. Um, I mean, I would assume Baki Bibasi is OK. Uh, it was precautionary, to my knowledge, as to why he was kept out for the game on Wednesday. So with Aha suspended, I would assume he would slot in alongside Boxall. Um, and I would assume Molina would come back again. He was he was rested and it was precautionary for the game on Wednesday, obviously after coming off against Houston, as you insinuated earlier on, uh, with a slight um, slight tweak. So um, apart from that, though, Steve, I don't see any reason to change anything, um, you know, especially at home. Minnesota are perhaps about as, as effective as any team in Major League Soccer. So... Um, as I said, I fancy a Kai Kamara home debut goal. Yeah, I, uh, I I wouldn't argue with you there. I think that RSL, I believe RSL have never gotten a point on the road against Minnesota United. I think I think Minnesota United's won all of all of the games that they've played against RSL at You're home. Right. So, and then drawn a couple times at 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 the Riot. So you know, I I feel like it's one of those teams that historically Minnesota has matched up well against, sort of like San Jose. Uh, you know, in, in terms of on their home turf, certainly, um, and then not even too bad on the road. So, um, you know, Minnesota United's trend has also been recently, I believe, a, a win and a draw and two losses that were all within a goal or, you know, obviously the draw was, you know, completely even. But, you know, these tight tight wins, tight losses versus, you know, RSL has been getting blown out or blowing teams out. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, when they come together. I think they, you know, we were talking about um, Kamara, uh, getting a goal, which I could certainly see. Uh, I'm also, you know, if if Tabassi is is available for selection, which again, as you said, Adrian seemed to indicate that both Tabassi and and Molino were it was because they were traveling. Why have the guys travel? We don't want to push them, but this is a home game. The prospect of having, you know, um, set pieces, corners delivered by Emmanuel Reynoso, and having you know Jan Gregus, Debasi, Boxall, and Kamara all in the box. Like not like Jan obviously is not like known for his headers, but he's big, uh, you know, for 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 a central mid. So that's a lot. That's a lot of bodies in there, and I think I think you know Minnesota United could could definitely do some damage, and I'm excited to see it. It's enticing, isn't it? When you mention all those names, you kind of think, well, there's plenty to aim at here. If I'm Reynoso, then I'm rubbing my hands together thinking, right, whose head am I going to pick out here? So I'm excited for it, Steve. And look, it's just good to get back to Allianz Field. Um, first time in this phase where it's back-to-back home games, you know. Um, it, it, it's just, uh, it's going to be good. Um, I, I fancy Minnesota beating anybody at Allianz Field. I really do. Um, I, I would expect them to beat RSL and then uh, I would expect us to um, go ahead and, and, and beat FC Cincinnati then as well. But uh, hey, that's, that's looking too much into the future. We'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. But look, for, yeah. for me, um, I don't expect anything to change from a, an approach point of view for Minnesota. I think the, the full backs will be as boisterous as they have been um, since they've both come into the, the first team fold. I think Molino will be back in with Lourdes uh, either side of Reynoso. I expect them to wreak havoc for that RSL back line. Nedim Anuaha, assuming he's playing, will be a very busy boy marking Kai Kamara. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the upcoming schedule, maybe we can talk about that a little bit next week. It certainly looks a little more friendly uh, as far as some of those matchups uh, with the likes of FC Cincinnati than we've, we've seen recently of having to go to Texas and play FC Dallas and Houston all the time. So, uh, so that's good. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 114th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Sunday, September 27th at 7 p.m. as the Loons face off against the Claret and Cobalt. I never get sick of calling Real Salt Lake the Claret and Cobalt because it's. I think it's silly, but that's what they want to be called. Um, here at Allianz Field, you can watch that on Fox Sports North and listen on Score North. Score North. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entris. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>